Sports Gambling Podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast. Props, parlays, in-game wagering, MyBookie.ag has it all. And if you sign up using the promo code SGP50, you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus. With MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. The Sports Gambling Podcast is also brought to you by ESPN+. Plus. Log on to sportsgamblingpodcast.com and click the ESPN Plus banner to sign up for ESPN Plus. College football, college basketball, MLB, exclusive UFC fights, and my personal favorite, the soccer, all feature on ESPN Plus. You can't be a real sports fan without ESPN Plus. <laughs> Yes, we are back. Real soccer is back. No more Gold Cup. No more Copper America. No more having to put up with women trying to play football and us trying to feign interest in it. No more listening to fucking Megan Rapino. And I understand that America won the World Cup. Yay, America. Fuck yeah. Great. But... I don't want to see Megan Rapino ever again for the rest of my life. We've got the Premier League back. We've got European soccer back. We've got Euro 2020 at the end of this, and then the Premier League is going to start again. This is the period I love. I love European Championships. I love World Cups, and I love the fact that the EPL is coming back. I also love the fact that back on the show is my former co-host, James George. Hello, Billy. More famously known as the, the husband of um, social media um, sensation Kelly George. <laughs> yeah, we, we, uh, if anyone doesn't know, Billy's got an obsession with my wife, but um, we'll just leave it at that. I, I like the way she sounds and, and looks. Actually, I, yeah, you're right. I just, I, 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 I've, I've got an attractive wife. Yeah, we, we can move on. To, we can move on to the, 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 the Premier League now, Billy. Yeah. Um, well, where do you want to start here? Because, I mean, this is... I thought that going in on this date, which is pretty much close to the 1st of August, being 10 days away from the start of the season, which is also the time where the window closes now for the Premier League. Which Thankfully. Is oh, it was ridiculous that it closed, you know, a few weeks in before. That's much better. But it is a massive disadvantage with the Premier League players still being available to be sold to the European clubs. Now, that doesn't really happen because the Premier League tend to turn around and say, fuck off, leave our players alone, um, which, which, is, which is how it should be because you don't want to be selling players when you, when you can't buy. The thing is, is that this feels very early due to the lack of signings, due to the fact that we haven't got much over the line and it isn't really early. When I set these dates to do podcast one and podcast two, what I wanted to do was more of an alphabetical preview or a top bot or top and bottom preview and, and cover various markets. What I'm really doing at this juncture is an early preview and then a secondary preview when we know what the signings are because I, I don't know if you agree or not, but I don't really feel like much has happened. We are kind of very much looking at the, the teams in all the same places and the odds reflect that 
in terms of um, yeah the funny thing is yeah you look at the odds in my prediction I, I did my predictions this morning before I looked at the odds five minutes ago and now I've looked at the odds the odds are very similar to what my predictions are and that if when you look at the actual finishes from last year they're very similar to what the odds are because nothing's really changed <laughs> I would have expected uh, Manchester City and Liverpool to be slightly tighter given yeah. the fact that um, Liverpool strangely in my opinion they won the trophy that Manchester City wanted the most and Manchester City won the trophy that Liverpool wanted the most plus two others but obviously that sentence is only referring to the Manchester City board as opposed to the supporters who I think were quite happy to, to win back-to-back Premier Leagues and are now going for a third third I just feel that the way that the season finished in the run that they both went on, we wouldn't have such a disparity, disparity here, disparity here between Man City being the best price of four to seven, and Liverpool being the best price as big as three to one in some places. I thought it might be slightly tighter. Yes, I think one of the things is that I would look at is is putting money on Liverpool because of that the odds. But the truth is is some of Liverpool's key players uh, more more of Liverpool's key players are like away on African duty than like Man City so I think Man City are going to start the season I think Liverpool have got a good easy start at the beginning of the year but I think Man City might start the season better because of the fact Liverpool are going to have a slight hangover from the African Cup of Nations So how much weight are you putting into this in terms of what these two managers are saying and to just um, paraphrase here some of the quotes so I'm not I'm not actually going into um, websites and bringing up the exact quotes and reading things but Cop alluded to the fact that we, they, Liverpool don't live in a fancy land they, they spent money last summer so they won't be able to spend it again they said he actually said we don't live in a fancy land like City and then sort of tried to back out of it a bit by saying that City PSG Barcelona and Real Madrid could buy players every summer and he doesn't understand how they do it. Now, is that an excuse? Is that starting the mind games early? Are I think it's just honesty. Really, because but are his players really not going to be ready? Because I feel that he's saying that, and on the other side of it, we've got Pep saying that Aguero isn't ready, Jesus isn't ready, Edison isn't ready, Osimendi isn't ready, and he's saying that Sterling's going to start the season with a, in a striker's role, and they are oh I, I, ah thank you I'm writing that down oh for, uh, for, for SPL yeah yeah and also there's um, and, and Sane very much wants to go to Bayern Munich so well Sane I started with last year and uh, I'm not doing that again he's just in and out of favour with Pep all the time and yeah and it looks like he might move I, the, the truth is yeah this is very much a preview and I think there's going to be major major moves in the market literally last minute and we know what it's like one transfer will just trigger a million things there's some key players out there am I correct in saying Coutinho is still technically at Barca well, not technically. He is. He is at Barca. He surprisingly, um, contrary to what Guillaume Balaguer reported, who's normally correct, he was um, believed to be on the way out. Yeah. And what the biggest indicator of that would have been Anton Griezmann signing and receiving his number seven shirt, which is what he wanted. Now, Anton Griezmann was revealed as the number seventeen, which means Coutinho has retained the shirt. Now. 
I don't know whether this means that they're going to keep him in case they, as an insurance policy, in case they don't get Neymar. But that's the, only that's the thing. Like, you know, final day. That is, what, that is what your that is your exact point. That the the the, the sale of name, the sale of Neymar. Neymar about the bounce of Barcelona means that Coutinho might go to Liverpool. I think that really could happen. Um, the funny thing is, is, Liverpool probably don't need him. They've actually got a lot of players that that can fill fill that position. I, think. I don't think there's any way that that will happen. I think that Barcelona don't have the money. Uh, and there will be to, to break the world record they'll be breaking the rules if they do and I believe that what you end up seeing is, is Neymar moving for around about 100 million plus Coutinho yeah going the other way that's yeah. more well, that, yeah. that's how I see it yeah um, and the funny thing is, is is Spurs still probably need one or two more so they're, they're looking Arsenal really have not done much at all Man Spurs United are the land, Spurs are the favourites to land Dabala so that, I mean, that surprises me because they never never really spent any money but um, Gareth Bale has turned down China I really think something random might happen I think he might go to Tottenham or Man United um, that will be absolutely massive so there's some there's some big plays you know uh, Sahar to, to Everton and so there's we, we, we shall Maguire see the Maguire deal still, still will, will get done I believe oh, this is one of the things I want to talk to you about Billy Toby, yeah, I mean, Toby, do you want to go there now or do you want to stay on the top two? I just want to just very quickly just talk. Okay, we'll talk about Man We'll come back to my point sure, in a minute. We, we no, we can go. We can move around because we we we're not going to um, have a strict format here because uh, we, we will need to make more. Are we uh, both in agreement? Nearer the time. Are we both in yeah. agreement that Man City and Liverpool will be the top two, and it will be for them two to win the league this year? We're not in. We're not in strong agreement. I think it's. it's I think it's most likely, but I am concerned with with his comments that sound like early excuses. Um, I, one thing I'm. Just, one thing I, I'm certain of is that a uh, ninety-five plus points will not be needed um, this time. I, I just do not think that will happen again. I think this league will become closer. I think more money will be spent. There's only so much Man City and Liverpool can do, um, but 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 I don't think. I, I, I'm more confident of City getting nearer that total of 90 plus than I am Liverpool the funny thing is, is I look at the Premier League and I actually see a lot of weak teams and I think they're going to pick up a lot of points and I don't see I think they Man City and Liverpool will beat the likes of Arsenal um, and and I think they could you know whereas before points would float around I think Man City and Liverpool will win the Premier League by both of them will be at least six to ten points clear of third place. I I, I look at Liverpool being in, in trouble if if there is any validity to them having any kind of summer hangover because they are they are not a team who have the, the squad depth that, that, that automatically covers what they have. Now, I, Man United are unbeaten over pre-season and. We, oh. very much, we, we very much <laughs> rotate, We very much rotated our, our teams And put out two equal teams Now Neither of those 11s Even if you combine them together Are as good As Manchester City Or Liverpool But We do have cover In every position Although Be it not necessarily great And I would love To make four or five signings This, this summer And we do need to strengthen up But we're not going to challenge For the title Having a load of good players 
a squad of good players does not compete with. I, I mean, I don't think your eleven, your your best eleven completes with Spurs even. And yeah, if, no, if Spurs and lost I, and I agree a couple of players, but the, but the point I'm making is that the Liverpool eleven doesn't compete with either of the man, the Liverpool second eleven doesn't compete with, doesn't compete with either one of the Man U teams. Is what I'm saying. It's very. Very weak. Well, I, you're, looking I actually, at, you're, look, you're looking at Mignolet. You're looking at Matip. You're looking at um, no cover at fullback positions. Uh, it's, you're looking at likes of Moreno playing. It's it's very very weak indeed. Like and there's no cover up front. Uh, Daniel Sturridge is gone. Like you've only got Origi covering Firmino, and Firmino's not even a striker anyway. So there's not a lot of depth there, Liverpool. But they're in big trouble. If there's any truth, they've to got some young players these. that are coming through, though. Uh, I think they're looking at and trying to give them more of a game. I, I, no, I, I actually don't like having a massive inflated squad where you've got to keep. We had it at Southampton, where we had just a load of average players, and we had the biggest depth we've ever had done, paying them 60, 80k a week for a player that hardly touches the first team, and it's just pointless. The most important thing is that you've got strong 14 players, um, and then you've got. Even if you've got good youngsters that are hungry, that's better than having an inflated squad like Man United have got. Yeah, I will say they they, they did beat Barcelona without Mo Salah last year, so there there is there is that going for them, and there is a there is a big spirit. There, Chamberlain is basically like a new signing. He was in top form before he got injured, um, so I think he he'll be a massive asset hopefully for them this year. But isn't it? Isn't for more than 20 games which is what it had well last year. that's why in my fantasy team I'm looking to have De Bruyne in because I think it's a really good price because you see it a lot of the time where players can't keep it up for two seasons mainly because they're pushed so much and they play a World Cup and then the next season they've played every single game played a World Cup the next season's really tough for them I think De Bruyne is going to be it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if he's up there for for player of the year next year he's, he's just he's just world class isn't he so, so while we're on that point, I looked at fantasy um, over the last couple of weeks, and what on, one aspect that I do like in it, I don't know if you found this, the the possibility to have a Kane and an Aubameyang or an Aguero, a Kane and an Aguero, and still fit in a Sterling, and still have two quality defenders of over six and a half million, that's gone. You, you really need to pick a spine now, or decide if you want to go attack heavy or midfield heavy or whatever. There, there isn't really a way now to to go about having five good players and then padding five top top players and then padding it out with um, with those you feel are going to get regular football it is now more of a case of taking a few more a few more punts and doing a lot more research and gambling on this signing or that signing it's actually going to be a lot more of an interesting test this year in terms of who stays on top of things and who's watched the pre-season and, and whose hunches are actually correct as I've opposed to done so much research and I've changed my team three times now and just from what one comment you said to me I'm going to change it again <laughs> yeah it's, 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 it's been like that and that's the thing is that you can't have a, a Sterling a Sterling and a Salah and then take one of the one of the top strikers as well they just the budget isn't there for that they, they put so many players up over the eleven million pound mark, that is, that it's almost impossible to, to do that. Otherwise, you'll have to suffer at the back. I mean, the only way I'm looking to possibly get around this is to see if 
teams like uh, Liverpool player Joe Gomez or Tottenham do start with Wan Foyth as the right back yeah. or, and things like that are going to these small budget cuts are going to make a big difference to you but until you know uh, you cannot necessarily go in with that gamble at the moment and someone like De Bruyne who has missed that £11 million plus mark because of his low total last year is a decent choice yeah, apparently uh, he may sit slightly deeper this year though this is what um, Man City fans are talking about that's my only concern is is that he's not going to be as attacking as what he has been right that's interesting because they bought Rodri uh, as the eventual replacement for Fernandinho so you would think that if they tried to integrate both that he would sit even further forward yeah, but I don't know if they might just play one of them, play De Bruyne, and then you've also you got you got to um, you got to remember that they've got Bernardo Silva starts pretty much every right. game, um, yeah, and then from the, especially from the offset with him saying that Aguero and and Jesus are not ready, so yeah, and then you've also got to remember that they've now got the the best player um, of all time, got David Silva as well. Yeah, and then he's also commented that they've got basically the best player, most talented player he's ever worked with. So the youngster's going to get a game. Sorry, is that Phil Foden? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is that what is that what he said? Yeah. Okay. The thing, the other aspect is in this. While we're talking about the same position, um, I don't think Liverpool got very much out of. um, Cater or Fabinho last year and I think they had a season that was sort of seen as a settling in season and we saw Jordan Henderson get a lot more game time and towards the end of the season we saw Jordan Henderson in an advanced position as well so they could be like two new signings because they weren't like two new signings last year they were like two people that needed to realise that they'd come to the Premier League and then it was going to be a massive step up from where they were so whether they turn up this season or whether they're going to continue to be basically you know, what they start the season with, though, is not going to be how they play five games in. I don't think Marnie or Salah will probably start the first game even against Norwich. It wouldn't surprise me if they both don't start. I think they'll probably start Origi first match. Um, there's, I think they'll probably start Chamberlain first match. Um, so there's players who may not be first choice who are going to start in that first match. And then, it, so for me, I'm not going to put Marnie or Salah in because the first game they may not be starting but long term they're going to get major points so is it that it's going to be a real balance of who you start with and then looking at who you might transfer at what point and it's, it's it makes it interesting as you say it's not there's certain players that you would normally just pick but you're not going to and a massive thing this year um, uh, Jules Breach who does the FPL for the Premier League and she um, is the presenter on uh, BT Sport uh, in the UK she uh, mentioned to me that her whole team is going to be based on penalty takers because of VAR ok so that's one of the major things to look at is, is who's well, going to be taking even, penalty we didn't even talk about that and um, I didn't have that on my agenda either but that's actually an absolute game changer not just obviously because of all the penalties that are going on but generally we're going to see this take up a large amount of the, of the debate in it within the first week I can absolutely guarantee you actually on Monday the 12th of August after the first round of fixtures are, are completed 
the every phone in in the country is going to be talking about VAR. And for <laughs> fantasy, you could pick every single person who's a penalty taker because you think they're going to get more penalties this year. And the funny thing is, it might not. They might have already spoken to referees and whatever and being like, you know, we don't want 100 penalties the first weekend. So yeah, you we haven't saw, got a clue how it's going to go. Women's World Cup. Well, I don't know if you watched any of that. No, I did not. But no. Yeah, it was not a good standard of football. Um, and, and I'm not bothered about what people think about that because I can't pretend to see what I didn't see. Um, I tried to watch it. We, we wanted to bet on it. We made money on it. We had USA to win it, but it was it was hard work. It was hard work to, to get through it, and I was just desperately craving um, this. This I, I guess it's like when um, when smokers try electric cigarettes. It was kind of like that um, being getting through that this summer. I wouldn't know, but anyway, no, neither, neither would I. But I just that's that's, so, that's the first analogy that came to me. Who, as it currently stands, who's your um, well, we'll move on to the other teams depending on who you're third and fourth but what's, what's your top four as it currently stands yeah so um, I, I have it as uh, Manchester City Liverpool Tottenham and Arsenal wow as my, as my top four you um, really think Arsenal can come fourth I think the fact that Arsenal uh, there was there was a story put out about them having 45 million to spend and then maybe that was true at one point and then Kroenke put his son on the line and his son came out and said watch what we do some very exciting things are going to happen and then they signed Nicolas Pepe today for 72 million and um, they're going to make more signings as well this week I, I just feel that um, something has changed there in the last few weeks where they've turned around and gone shit they really these, these fans really fucking hate us and they really may now turn on us. Not that they haven't been doing that anyway through Arsenal TV. And, yeah, I just feel that they have a better and more experienced manager. Uh, they're very consistent at home. Uh, the only thing they need to do is sort out their away form. Uh, if you look at their home form last season, they were great. And uh, they need to just sort out their away form, win a few more games, and they'll, they'll be in that top four. Coupled with that, Manchester United haven't got any better. Um, or although um, they will make some more marquee signings, I'm sure, before the end of the season. And um, Chelsea are managed by Frank Lampard, who are quite blatantly in a transitional season where he's allowed, when this has never happened since Roman Abramovich took over, he's allowed to not finish in the top four. And he's yeah, going to for give me, chances yeah. to all of the, the young Hudson-Odoi, uh, Tammy Abrahams, uh, all, these, all these people are going to get game time so for me we're under Solskjaer and Lampard uh, these these two teams are going to finish outside of the top four and I think United will be the one that loses their manager before next summer for me Spurs are a guaranteed third uh, the fact that they've kept their best players again they've made made it you know a decent signing that I think they'll make one or two more um, I, I was going to quickly talk about um, uh, to, Toby Alderweireld I have it, I always pronounce his name wrong um, I always just call him Toby so I cannot believe that he was available for 20 was it 20 or 25 million 25 million yeah he's one of the best defenders in the world I don't understand why Man United are wanting to spend I know obviously there's a bit of resale value in that you know Maguire's younger but I'm sorry you sign Toby 
for tw- why would you not sign him for that amount so of money? I have, I have a theory on this, and it's the perfect time to, to say what it is. I, I don't believe that Ole Solskjaer, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, will be the manager after Christmas, or definitely won't be the manager next season. And I believe that every single signing that Manchester United are making are being made by the, the scouts and not by Solskjaer. And I believe they're being made on, on the premise that the next manager is obviously going to want all of these players. Now, look at the talent. Look at the age. Look at what we've paid for them. Look at who we're going for. You're going for younger um, players. Yeah. He's not... No, the next manager is going to keep Daniel James. The next manager is going to keep Wan-Bissaka. The next manager is going to keep Harry Maguire. The people on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's list that he identified um, that, that he wanted to buy, which probably would have been, I imagine Toby out of the world, it would have been someone that, someone that we did want. And uh, Pierre-Patrick uh, Pierre Aubameyang was definitely somebody that we wanted. And, 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 there, was, and there was even like... The things going around that he he wanted to he asked his agent to get him to move to Manchester and whatnot, but that hasn't happened. And I, what I think we don't want is uh, another Alexis Sanchez on our books, which the the next manager doesn't want. So I believe that at the same no, time you you signed. Yeah, I know you signed Sanchez, and that was a complete waste. But you you've signed players that have been in there, you know, more of their prime before. And they've done really well. So uh, Sanchez is a, not the best example. Um, no, just... but, but, I, but the thing is, I believe that the, the Mourinho and Van Hal had the backing of of the board, I, and you know, the, 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 to sack them cost a lot of money to, to to the club. I don't believe that, that Solskjaer's contract is big. I don't believe it's long. Uh, I believe that. If they want to sack him, they can easily get rid of him at any time. It's not massive expense, and it's not going to be a massive protest from from the supporters. And there's not going to be a, a case of oh my god, we've spent all of this money on dead weight that the new manager doesn't want. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. I think that the next manager is going to come in, and he's going to be able to work with all of the players, with the exception of the ones that are already there from Van Hal and Mourinho, such as Sanchez and Matic, who they may not want. But other than that. I feel that um, these signings, although on paper it looks like they are backing Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I actually think it's the opposite. I think that this sixty-five million that we've spent so far, which is going to rise to ridiculous one hundred and forty-five when we get Maguire, um, I, I don't think this, this is a this is a this is a backing of Solskjaer at all. I, the, the way that you went so badly in the last year really worries me. Um, what United are going to do? One hundred percent. Pre-season though, so yes. So we, we shall see. I mean, for me, I actually think this is good for Chelsea. I think the way they've run their football club before has not necessarily been the best. Um, I feel they've had a lot of young talent like De Bruyne and not given. So what them was a your chance. top four? The same with Chelsea at fourth. So I've gone Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, and then I've gone. I think Chelsea might get fourth. I've just got this funny feeling that Lampard could be a decent manager. They've, and I think he's actually got some good young players there. For me, it'll be Chelsea or Man United, depending on what connection the manager's got with the squad. If Solskjaer can get certain players at Man United playing well, then I actually think on paper Man United have got a better team than Chelsea and a better squad than Chelsea. But Lampard is going to have the backing of the players. Arsenal have got some very good players, and he's got a good manager, but. 
I can see why their odds are quite far out. They're, they're lacking a lot. People very quickly forget. There's, this is a lot of the Man United players in this squad. No one's left who finished second a few years ago. In addition to that, Liverpool have only added a couple of midfielders that, that don't play. Um, so I'm not going to I'm not going to call I'm not going to talk about uh, Naby Keita and, and Fabinho. Van Dijk and Allison were the key additions for Liverpool that have made them. And I said, if Liverpool sign Van Dijk, I think they'll win the league. That's what, you know, I, yeah. I, I knew he'd be that crucial. But that's the thing, that those are the two key signings that are the difference from the season where Manchester United finished second and Liverpool finished nowhere. So the thing is, is that you're still looking at a Man United team that should quite easily be able to, and quite easily be capable of finishing third on paper. But it's just a case of... But Pogba wasn't... A, you know, you look at it and you think, Sanchez, wow, if he plays like he did at Arsenal, you've got one of the best players in the Premier League. Pogba should be one of the best players in we the Premier League. We just need the Sanchez you I can't... saw a month, a month ago in the Copa America. He carried that team. Yeah, to, and, uh, and you're getting rid of Lukaku, but for me, he was a 20-goal-a-year striker, but it looks like he's going. You get the best from Rashford. Um, you've got two decent... Full backs now. Um, the centre backs have always been the, the partnership that's always been a major problem for you. But yeah, if you can, you potentially could finish fourth. You could even finish above Spurs or whatever. But um, there's a big question mark, and that's one of the things that I think will be exciting this year is how do Chelsea, Man United, and Arsenal get on this year? Um, I think that's 100% the top six. Um, for me. Leicester are a good price I think Leicester are going to be pushing Everton this year for 7th well I'm going to look at that now because I just want to I, I, I want to round off the odds for this top uh, these these teams outside uh, coming up from an outside vision and winning the league uh, Tottenham are as big as 22-1 to one, short as 16 uh, Chelsea are as big as 40-1 to one, as short as 25 uh, Man United are as big as 50-1 to one, but as short as 25 Arsenal are as big as 80 to 1, but as short as 40 to 1. So that concludes them to win the league. So we can move on from those teams now. Um, we've looked at their, their leagues, to, their, their possibility of actually winning this league. Unless you want to just quickly touch on who actually finishes in this top four. Yeah, for um, me, yeah, it's Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea is what I'd go for, which, funny thing is, the, it looks like the odds are the same. In regards to fantasy, um, I. Man United have got a tough start I'm staying clear of Man United players um, Chelsea I'm not sure what they're going to do so I'm staying clear of Chelsea players I'm staying clear of Arsenal players because I'm still unsure Spurs uh, for me um, Kane would be the player um, I, I'm still not sure about Ericsson and Ali and stuff I, uh, so I'm, I like Toby uh, at 5.5 million as a centre back um, so yeah that's that's kind of what I'm looking at with them I think it's, it's Man City and Liverpool players that are going to be in most people's fantasy teams for me I don't trust Jurgen Klopp at all I, I think that um, all of the Liverpool regulars will be back in the team for the trip to Southampton uh, which is their second game yeah. I'm confident of that um, they will be able to get past Norwich with whoever they have um, and then I feel that Southampton away is a tougher game and then they will all be back for that game um, Tottenham um, they have a tough they have a tough tough-ish start they have they have to go to Arsenal and Man City in their first four games but then their home games are against um, Aston Villa and Newcastle and Newcastle are in disarray so 
So it's interesting um, for Tottenham to see that they could very much start with two wins and two losses, which will be um, exactly sort of how they were going last season. I've never, I never as a team finished third and lost so many games. They had a very weird record last year where they could just didn't draw. draw. Yeah. Yeah. So the the odds to finish fourth, just to finish up on that, uh, Tottenham are at a best price of eight to fifteen and as high as one to two. So not much difference there. Man United are the best price of five to four and a worse price of evens to finish fourth in the top. Not fourth, but in the top four. So it could be third or fourth. Arsenal are six to four best price and as low as six to five. And your bet, Chelsea, are in some places the outsiders at 13 to 8, but in some places the favourites at evens. So they, the bookies cannot even decide between Arsenal, Chelsea, and Man United in terms of who gets this fourth place. They are really, really undecided on those three. Yeah, yeah, and I, I can see why. Um, and it'll be in, different it'll be, places have it different. Yeah. different places have it so swayed that they can go as high as Man United as the favourite for fourth and Chelsea is as, as looking as coming sixth and some even have Arsenal as the favourite for, for fourth it's, it's, it's crazy like how, how it's been done Tottenham are, Tottenham are the clear cut third team third place team in the league here for them so. the funny thing is there's, there's there, we've always talked about always talked about mini leagues within the Premier League and it's obviously changed back in the day it might be you know the top four now we've got a top six uh, and then, then we'll talk about now the mini league below it. Uh, I think there's there's three teams in a mini, maybe four, maybe four teams in a mini league below it. But I think it's Leicester and Everton the next two. Well, I'm going to bring up a, a market that we don't ever usually talk about, and it's to finish in the top six, uh, just in case any of these make a make an outside run. And the reason I pulled that up is what you will see is is sort of backing up what James just said. Leicester, Wolves, and Everton are all priced at seven to two to make the top six. So all of them are seen as equal challenges to finish in sixth place inside the top six. And I imagine if you put a league table out without the top six, that you would see similar odds for any of these teams to finish seventh. Yeah, for me. Uh... Wolves, it'll be. They've got some good players. It'll be amazing to see if they are as good as what they did last year. Because often when teams come up, then people don't know how to play them. They underestimate them, and that second season's a lot more difficult. So I've actually found that James. I've actually found that. Uh, I've had a look on Odds Checker and found the league without top six. Uh, Everton are the favourites at three to one. Uh, well, they're not actually, because in some places Leicester are the favourites at eleven to four. Wolves are a clear third place. They're seven to, between seven to two and four to one, and then there's a big jump to West Ham at eleven to one, uh, Watford at fourteen to one, and then Southampton at sixteen to one. Southampton really high on that. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I actually think we'll do all right this year. But Everton, I think Everton and Leicester will be seventh and eighth, uh, and then it will be and Leicester have made some good signings. Everton, I think it depends on if they sign if they sign Sahar. I think that would be a really good signing for them. And Le- they're so inconsistent, some, though. Leicester have made some great signings. I looked at the Leicester team um, a few, especially when towards the end of last season when. Man United were having results such as losing at home to Cardiff 
and I thought to myself that there were there were five, possibly even six Leicester players that could play for Manchester United. Um, obviously, Maguire being one of them. Both the fullbacks at the time were better than ours. Um, Chilwell would easily get into the, into the Manchester United team. Um, then um, Tillemans, who was there on loan, and I thought that a bigger club would sign him. Yeah, has, great signing. Has stayed at Leicester. And James Madison is another player that would easily get yeah. into the Manchester United team. And then Vardy. And Vardy's um, more consistent than all of our strikers. And you could also make a, a case, not permanently, but towards the end of last season, with all of that, with De Gea's form and all, contract, yeah. and all the contract bullshit, that Schmeichel's actually just far more consistent and far less hassle than, than De Gea's turning out to be. Because he wants to have a 300 grand a week contract and has asked to be captain, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I um, I like Leicester. I like Everton. I think there's some Leicester players that fantasy to look at, some Everton players. I think Sigerson taking penalties and well, set pieces. What do you think of uh, Zaha uh, priced as a, um, a £7 million midfielder? Uh, the prop- yeah, midfielder who will be going who will be going to here's the thing I don't know if he's a good player to start the league with because if he stays at Palace he's disgruntled oh he's going to Everton James and if he goes to Everton he's going to get there so late he's not starting the first game I don't think so for me Sahar more than likely within two weeks I'm going to be transferring him in but the first game I'm not picking him well, Zaha's definitely not playing anyway because he's just coming back from the Everton exactly race. so that's why yeah. I, I'm not I'm not starting with him but I, as soon as as soon as he starts playing, yeah, I'm looking to transfer him in. But funnily enough, this is where we may have the edge, and listeners of this show may have the edge because Zaha is the second highest selected midfielder on on fantasy football behind yeah. Salah so far. But both of them, I know, and that's what I I, I uh, you've got to look for these little little secrets. And for me, I'm not starting him. I'm bringing him in, and I'm going to get more points from having someone else. Uh, interesting Wolves Jimenez look, you know if he plays like he did last year's I think still a really good price um, and there's a few Wolves players that um, you know I might be looking at um, then then there's teams below that West Ham West Ham's a weird team every single year I say it they it'll be interesting to see if their strike is any good um, that they've bought uh, and I don't know if I think probably their price is about right. They'll be looking to finish top 10. See, I'm looking down here um, in fantasy terms for one of these teams that are going to go with the um, the park the bus strategy and get me some clean sheets. And I can't find a team that would that necessarily be. I think if everything works out for them and based on the signings that they're making, that team will probably be Aston Villa because they seem to be very keen um, to implement that exact strategy and I think that on paper with the money that they spent they will be a better version of Brighton who also have always played that tactic yeah possibly it's, I mean we, we that's the thing the, the Norwich Sheffield United Villa of this world Burnley's um, we don't know if they're just going to I suppose Burnley won't have it just letting a lot of goals but the, a lot of the other teams you don't know if they're going to try and grind out one nils or if they're just going to be conceding four or five every week and getting stuff yeah and the weird thing is the rumour is is that if Leicester do end up send it, selling um, Harry Maguire then they're going to end up paying around 45 million for Lewis Dunk and that just kind of then evens things out completely because 
they're getting much, much more than they wanted, than, than Maguire is worth. But And then spending around about, I would say, 20 million on top of what Dunk's worth. Because I would say Maguire's a 60 million pound player. So you're then paying 20 million over the odds for Dunk. Would you say it's fair that Maguire's 60 and Dunk's 25? Because that's what I would have them at. And that's, that's still pricing them in this current market. And I'm still looking at that and saying, look, if Neymar's 200 million, Maguire is still 60 and Dunk is still 25. I wanted us to sign Maguire from Hull. I wanted us to Southampton. But the truth is, do I think he's a 60 million? Pa- I think he's a good player. I think he's a leader. Um, I think because he's, he's English, it, that helps even more in a team. So he probably is worth that. But for me... Well, don't forget, I did premise the phrase there quite consistently in the current market. Yeah, but... The, for, for me, I still think signing signing Toby Toby's a much better centre back, in my opinion. Um, so we we shall see if it's worth the money. Uh, I haven't seen enough of Dunk to, to see if he's. I know I know they they say he should be in England squad and given a chance and stuff, but I'm intrigued if he's going to be more of a, a you know a, a player that's not quite ever good enough for. But is a decent player, or if he's if he's going to push on. Yeah, there's been a lot of England centre backs over the years that have been in that sort of position. I mean, Gareth Southgate was one of them himself as a player. So yeah, uh, Michael Dawson, of... you know that that type of player. If he's going to be a good squad, you know, good club player, but if he's ever ever going to actually, you know, push on and and cause it's ridiculous money what they're playing for these people these days. But I suppose the market's completely changed. So. It's, it's as you say it's just relevant to what the market is at the time so the last thing we'll look at because it does deserve a little bit of, um, of time spent on it are the uh, are the relegation odds where Sheffield United are the four to five favourites Norwich are second at 11 to eight uh, Burnley you can get as big as two to one um, Brighton also round about two to one so Brighton and Burnley are absolutely level for that last relegation spot and Newcastle just a touch above that and nine to four and Villa also in there nine to four but it's really tight they've really really got it tight I think as I said there's there's different different leagues this year I think Southampton Watford Bournemouth will be safe you know they'll be Trying to get 10th, fighting between like 10th to 14th. Okay, but this is an interesting thing because I just listened to what the teams that you said and you didn't mention Crystal Palace who are all no. the way out at 6-1. to one. Now, they've not made any signings and they could lose Zaha and they, they didn't win any games without him. If you remember that period where they couldn't win without him? Yeah. Um, plus, they have Hodgson who, who I, doesn't inspire me at all and they're not in this second bracket that you this, this sorry this lowest bracket that you're talking about which I assume you're referring to I think I think Burton Palace more than likely will, will will be safe because I think Hodgson's a good enough manager and they've probably got just enough about them to, to finish you know just above that relegation battle but I think at the price that they are that is a good price so if you're looking for something to make money on going down, I think Palace is definitely the best odds. Second up, Newcastle. I I think the teams coming up, even though they might not have as good a team and stuff, I think I think Newcastle could be in trouble. Just the, the 
the whole atmosphere around that football club. They lose a couple. They lose their first two games. It's going to be horrendous. If they start all right, it'll be okay. But I think Newcastle could be in serious trouble. Burnley have got a good manager. They're hardworking. They'll probably just about do enough to be safe. Um, Brighton, I think, getting rid of the manager was a shocking decision. Um, I think they're going to really, really struggle this year. Uh, Norwich or Sheffield United one of them will surprise you and do alright I don't think that it'll be Sheffield United for me it's, it's definitely two two from two from five or six that will take the other relegation spot uh, I have no confidence in this team at all I, I don't know how they got into this league I think Leeds just absolutely collapsed who would have been a much better addition I always have faith in the team that comes through the playoff process because that's really fucking hard um, and I think if you can win the, the two-legged tie and, and win at Wembley, uh, often it puts you in good stead for, for the Premiership. But um, Norwich, Norwich are a bit like Fulham in terms of they, they played a really good brand of football in their league, and the thing is if they try and play this type of football at Liverpool and at the Emirates, Two of the two of the, and at Man City, three of the best attacking teams in the league, they're going to get absolutely creamed. Uh, they're going to lose games five or six nil, but at the same time, they may be good enough to win their home games against Watford and West Ham and Southampton and, and Bournemouth. So, so that that's the thing about Norwich. Sheffield United, I don't think they're good enough to beat anybody. I think they're going to go. I think they'll be relegated, and I think they'll get under twenty five points. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. They've got to hope someone like Billy Sharp can actually score goals in the Premier League and he's getting on now. I mean, we, we didn't even give him a chance in the Premier League. So it's going to be interesting to see if... I think, yeah, we've got to remember, though, you look at Huddersfield. If you've got a good team spirit and you've got to level everyone working, the Premier League is so weak at the bottom that if you've got enough about you and you can win your home games, then you could possibly stay up. Uh, for me... I think the relegation battle is going to be a really good one to watch and I think that there's six teams that are going to be I think there's five teams that are going to be really in it Sheffield United Norwich Brighton Villa and Newcastle and then I put Burnley and Palace in this next little battle um, Bournemouth haven't really added anything but they've they got they've got goals in them they've, Callum Wilson could score 15 goals and they'll be alright Keeping Callum Wilson was important, seeing as he was available for, for around about thirty million, and they would have, and they were willing to, to let him go because that was his. I don't know if it's his buyout clause or, or what it is, but it was certainly branded around. But um, he's managed to stay. So, so just to quickly mention about Southampton, we we look we've we've got if Danny Ying stays fit, Che Adams looks a really good signing as well. I think we are going to score a lot of goals this year. I think for fantasy, look at them too. Uh, especially Danny Ings, if he stays fit and he's on penalties, I think he could get 20 goals this year for us. So, so Long, Long will not continue on as the striker? No, Long, Long, Long will be used he as a squad player. He finished season as a striker, didn't he? Yeah, but uh, no, don't, Chain Long won't, won't, won't be anywhere near the side. Um, it, he'll be squad player, that type of thing. Um, we do haven't signed a centre-back though. So we're going to leak goals. So we'll be winning. Did, did you did you need to sign a centre back though? Because was was the pairing? Uh, because what happened last year was there. I believe there was a young uh, Bednarak come Bednarak's come through and, and as a fantasy pick at four point five million. I don't really want to give this away, but he's a great fantasy pick at four point five million. No, but I, I was about to say that myself because I said last towards, towards the end of last season. So the pricing on Southampton 
uh, had different players as the as the first choices, and in the like end, like Valerie, was, yeah, Valerie is the right back and stuff. Yeah, it's Benteract and uh, Benteract and, and, and Valerie that ended up being the, the two of the players that played, and they were they and Ward Prowse. Ward Prowse was a cheap price, um, and he started yeah, getting goals. Um, so Ward Prowse get into the an England squad at some point last year. Yes, well. he did. Didn't play, but he did get an England squad at the end of the year. Was yeah. um, was picked as a backup and then not played. So I think. Um, Southampton will, will, will win a lot of games 2-1 and 3-2 uh, the way things are going if we manage to pull a centre back out then I think we'd be we, we could actually challenge top 8 but we'd have to we'd have to find a new Van Dyke or Toby if we did that then we then we would be um, challenging top 8 I think we've got enough about us going forward well there's a lot of faith in the manager as well it's not just not, not necessarily from the, just the supporters but when he when he got there, for based, even in the media as well, based on what he'd done before, and oh, he's a top bit, class. It was a it, it was a bit touch and go at the start, and then obviously it sort of took off from the win against Arsenal when uh, you beat Arsenal three two and ended their unbeaten run, and then from there, um, Southampton were a lot more consistent, and they just didn't ever look like going down. See, after that. if we have completely changed everything to of our back room I don't know if you remember complaining last year but we had two people that basically ran our football club they've now gone so everything has changed with our football club now I don't the owners don't want to stick in any of their own money but um, I, I think they, they want to build something that they can make money on now so they really do see it as a proper business so I think they're looking long term as well I think we could be a football club that's that is going to go through you know we're talking about transitions we're, we went through a really bad patch and I think we could be we could be up there at a guaranteed top 10 club going forward uh, Leicester look like they've they've managed to secure that Everton have secured that um, and talk, it'll be interesting to see what the Premier League does this year because there's quite a lot of clubs in the transitional period yeah I mean and the thing is is that also I mean in terms of the back line there like, I mean Wesley Wesley Hoyt was supposed to be good oh he's shocking but he was supposed to be good when he was signed. I know he, 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 he was meant he was meant to be good. Um, you you still have you, have you still got Cedric Suarez? Yeah, he's still technically um, there, and it's going to be interesting. I got a feeling he'll be off by. We've given him a squad number, and we've basically said if anyone wants him, they can have him. But if he doesn't go, then he's going to be battling for the right back squad uh, place. I think he was on loan somewhere. Wasn't Inter he? Milan. He went to Inter Milan. And yeah, it wasn't very. He wasn't good. Um, and then obviously there's two decent there's Gunn and McCarthy going for the goalkeeping position and Forster we've got three keepers who are all over 50k a week getting paid it's ridiculous and there's all there's players here that can actually that can actually turn up the thing is is that you need if you are going to actually finish 8th or even in the top half you're going to need Lamina or Buffal or Lamina Lamina's not so don't touch Lamina fantasy he's off uh, Buffal is not probably going to start beginning of the season but looks like he's now involved um, and Austin's not involved at all um, Redmond, Austin. Was Redmond was the one I mentioned Redmond great he's, he's a completely different player now completely different player uh, and he's yeah he's really good he'll be in England squad this year Okay, so he's he's one to look out for. Is there anyone else down here in the in the bottom half in terms of um, having a good season? Anything to bet on? Uh, a fantasy pick, fantasy picks, anything else at all? I'm, I'm going to finish up with the odds of finishing in the top ten, and then if you, there's anything you want to pick out from there, um, that 
we'll finish on that. So we won't include Everton, Wolves and Leicester because they're all one to two to finish in the top ten, which is still actually a good bet because I think they're all going to be there. West Ham are five to four to finish in the top ten. Uh, Watford eleven to four. Uh, Southampton three to one. Palace seven to two. Um, Newcastle five to one. Villa five to one. Uh, Bournemouth five to one. That's not a bad bet. Um, Burnley eight to one. Brighton nine to one. Norwich ten to one. And Sheffield United sixteen to one. We haven't mentioned what me. we haven't mentioned Watford once. Um, the funny thing is, is because I, I think they're above that the Palace and Burnley, and I think they're around the Southampton Market area as well. De La Feo is a really good player. Dini can get some goals. They've got some good players at that football club. So um, Bournemouth, to Bournemouth to finish in the top ten at five to one. Oh, here it's nice. Eleven to four. So you've got good odds there at five to one. So. Oh, you're um, looking at where are you looking? Oh, I'm at just ben? on bet three six five. I didn't get odds checker up or anything. I just literally oh, just yeah, give I'm, me. I'm, I'm, I'm an odds checker, so. Yeah, for me, um, I uh, I like I like West Ham. have got some good players, but I think Southampton. Obviously, I'm slightly biased, but I think if if we oh. signed a centre back. We we would be a good bet to finish in in the top ten. I, I uh, six seven eight. I wouldn't be scared to take West Ham at that short price of six. That's uh, five to four. Uh, five to four, six to five. Um, it would need. So if we don't put them inside the, if we say Everton six, Wolves seventh, Leicester eighth, West Ham should be finishing ninth. If they don't. No, it would be Everton, Everton say seventh, Leicester eighth, Wolves ninth. Yeah, yeah. So there's that one place. So there's that one place. Uh, So I would be very surprised unless someone has a really good season if anybody gets above West Ham for this position. I almost see them as the fourth team in that little group, and I almost feel that that group of four is almost as automatic as the top six. Or do you not agree that they're? No, I think. Uh, Wolves may not do as automatically as well West Ham have always been this up and down side um, I, I, as I said I think Southampton have got a chance I think someone like Callum Wilson Bournemouth have got some good players so I think if Callum Wilson actually did go on a run and kept fit I think they could possibly break it as well so I think it's what do you think West Ham spending this 45 million on, on Haller? Strikers you you don't know until they come to the Premier League. They could bang in 100 goals a year in a Dutch league or something. And until they come to the Premier League, you have yeah, not... Yeah, in Bundesliga, he did it. And he, didn't, he, didn't, and he didn't bang in 100 either. He was actually yeah. just... He was actually the, the, the strike partner of... Um, God, the name's popped out of my head. Rumatrix signed him, man. It literally just popped out of my head. Uh, I'll, it'll come to me. I'll have a look now. Yeah, for me, I think... Um, if he could score goals... It's all, it's all about a player that can score goals so if, he, if they've signed a player who can score if you've got a player in your team that can score 15 goals and you don't concede that many you can finish in the top 10 that do are Everton unbelievable no Leicester aren't um, the, the, people, someone could even go on a run and finish you know 7th or whatever but yeah for me looking at it I think West Ham are quite rightly favourites out of that pack to come in the top 10 I'm looking around who Luka Jovic that's it God I don't know if I forget that it's, it's gone for over 50 million um, but we'll talk about European leagues we'll, we'll do that as a, as a separate show because they're going to be really interesting uh, this year but we'll delay those slightly because their business um, 
has long as it conclude, whereas the Premier League is going to conclude in the next 11 days, going to conclude before the start. And I assure you, next time we, we do this podcast, there'll be a hell of a lot more signings to talk about and a hell of a lot more different angles to look at because one or two signings, as James said at one point on his show, it's going to spark off a whole load of uh, a whole load of spending and teams could be significantly stronger or significantly weaker depending on, on what way that goes because some teams are just not going to buy no matter what. I, I don't for someone like Newcastle who just spent 30 million on, on um, sorry 40 million on, on a striker to replace as Iosi Perez that that's it they're going to be done they're not going to spend they're not going to spend anymore I'm just I'm touching on fantasy Iosi Perez has been placed in as a, as a as a midfielder when I'm fairly certain he's going to be Jamie Vardy's partner yeah I'm intrigued about that one that that's one of the ones that I did look at um, and I think it's one of those when picking your fantasy team you want to start off with a strong squad but you literally you've got to move quickly when you see a player is going to at the beginning of the year uh, and and one of the problems I've had before is I've started off with a team and I've literally done a wild card two weeks in so it's a, really about picking the right one and then doing one, you know, one transfer a week as opposed to getting it completely wrong at the beginning of the year and then look, wasting your wild card oh there's a there's a lot there's a lot that I'm waiting to, to look at I'm waiting to see uh, who the right back is at Tottenham because you're going to get a bargain either way if they go with Wang Foyth or um, or Walker Peters I don't think they're going to go with Aurier I don't think he fancies him that much um, so you're going to get a bargain there at fullback Liverpool the centre-back partner of Van Dijk is yeah. going to be a bargain be it Lovren, Matic or Joe Gomez I personally think that it's time for Joe Gomez he's very uh, rated I know he's injury prone but he's highly rated I think he could be the place that they go for uh, Chelsea striker is it going to really be Tammy Abrahams if it is you're getting a £7 million player in the top six um, there's loads of little things like that and I'm not committing to any of them but I'm making budget like this, to get them literally um, I really like Joshua King or Callum Wilson and it's depending on who's going to take their penalties and they still don't know apparently Wilson took them at the beginning of last year missed one then King did and then King missed one in the last year and they're still deciding who's going to take the penalties this year apparently so that's massive absolutely but massive but at the same time like, I think that might be I think it was me starting with Jimenez and then one of the big ones uh, Kane or Aubameyang somebody like that and in that third position once Origi does lose his place and I assure you he will be starting the first game of the season yeah I think he will so that's why I'm thinking of starting him first game and then seeing what happens yeah and then he he will be susceptible to be replaced once I know who that Chelsea striker is so there's a lot of tactical looking ahead but one thing I will say is do your checks as to who's starting this season and we'll talk more about that uh, and, and on the next podcast once we know a bit more about ask all your mates who are proper fans of clubs that's what I do I've got a mate who's an Everton season ticket holder and I was just like Morgan Snydlin is he going to start this year just as a you know 4.5 bench midfielder and he's like probably not he's probably going to be a squad player and it's like right and just even that you know like that third choice bench player at 4 or 4.5 million check with the fans if he's going to start yeah, I mean, even though at this, even at this juncture, I don't think they will categorically know. Um, as a Man United fan, I can't give you the Man United team right now. But I can tell you, you know, I just told you a minute ago, Lamina will not play for our football club this year. You know what I mean? So if right. you ask someone, they'll be least, and you're debating something, and you think, oh, that is a good price. He might be a good price because he's never going to get a game. Yeah, but at, at, at the same time, at some clubs, it doesn't quite work out 
that way. I can tell you that wan and Luke, uh, like I said, wan is going to start. Luke Shaw's injured again, I think. So No, I think is he? Ashley Young's going to be the fullback probably to start with. Um, Pogba's going to get game time. McTominay's going to play. Rashford's the striker. Uh, other than that, it's really a case of filling in the backs. Martial scored a lot of goals in pre-season. Is he going to start? I don't know. We've still got Lingard. Um, is, the, is, the, is the project Sanchez like completely over? Uh, it's, it's difficult to say. Like You can't take too much from pre-season. If you did, you'd be looking at someone like Pereira starting in the Man United team because he's got loads of minutes. It's, it's difficult to tell. But um, I don't know. Possibly in, in, these, um, in these lower teams that don't go on these stupid... Uh, tours and get millions and millions of pounds to play in, in China and, and USA, they may have more of a sensible idea as to what their team actually is, as opposed to just spreading minutes all over the place because the players are so ridiculously exhausted from, from travel. Yeah. And um, you could get teams starting slow this season. Um, as much as I want to chuck out a a £1,000 bet on Tottenham to beat Villa and Liverpool to beat Norwich at home on the first day of the season might not happen no exactly right we better round it up otherwise we'll be going over the hour mark yeah that's it then um, I think that's a pretty decent first preview and we've done as much as we can with quite a li- only a, you know quite limited information and I think the next eight days is going to make a massive difference so we'll be back with a second preview and then I will bring you the first edition of the EPL show for the season. I've been Billy. He's been James. He is on Twitter. And where are you on Twitter? At Mr. James George at Twitter. At Mr. James George on Instagram as well. Anything Facebook? You've got your your British realtor thing. Anything you want? Yeah. If anyone wants to to follow my realtor work, you want to buy a house in California, go to at the British Realtor Team. Most of the listeners on this show are from California. Well, if they are, then yeah, I'll help you buy a home. Let's do it. Yeah, because I think the, the two guys that run this podcast are from California. So, so yeah. So, I, think, I, think I thought it might be a useful plug. And um, on YouTube, Kelly George, go and have a look. <laughs> and my Twitter, uh, at LockBetting. So, um, let's hope that that stays active for a while. And my website, of course, if you guys all know by now, is lockbetting.com we actually just did the the final totals for the year and uh, James get this I had loads of guys giving me grief to, uh, in June because the month of June I'm just, just bringing it up now the month of June only made a £1,044 profit and uh, I was getting dogs abuse from people um, but the, the overall totals for the, for the year uh, July finished 2000 £811 up and from August to August Lockbain.com made £26,921 which comes to over $32,000 so if you'd been a member of Lockbain.com for the entire year you would have an extra salary right now But so go and check that out that's over at Lockbain.com that is it now from me that is from James we'll be back for part two of this preview where we will be making more extensive and official picks and I'll be back with the EPL show soon thanks for listening guys